Really appreciate that. Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, really good to see you here. Uh, really glad you decided to spend some time with us here today at Church in the Valley. Uh, and I really hope that uh, each of you are able to come spend some time with us at the spring picnic uh, right after service. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, last week, last week we had a lot of fun with Easter. And uh, we looked at why Easter matters. And, uh, you know, when Jesus rose from the dead, it really proved that he was who he said he was. And it really... Uh, it really opened up the doorway for us to just to have forgiveness of sins and just to have a clean slate before him. And um, it really validated the truth of everything else he had to say. Uh, you know, if the most amazing thing that he said was that he would raise from the dead, and that actually happened, that really brings a lot of credence to everything else that he said. And then uh, we also looked, last week we looked at how Easter is much bigger than forgiveness of sins. It's Forgiveness of sins is really the gateway into the life that uh, that God really wants for us, just a life of grace and peace and purpose that he has for us. And the reason Easter really matters is that when Jesus rose from the dead, he opened that door and he provided a way through the door into the life in God's kingdom with him that he really wanted us to have all along. And Jesus really wants us to have real life with him. And that's what we're going to talk about today is how to connect to that real life. Uh, recently, I heard a, I heard a story about uh, a fighter pilot who was just do, practicing maneuvers out in the desert, and uh, he got to a place where uh, he needed to pull up on the stick and make a real steep climb up into the sky. Only problem was is he didn't realize it, but he was flying upside down. And you can imagine that's just uh, that's not. There's some places you don't want to have the wrong orientation, and that's one of them. And uh, he, you know that was just a, a horrible end to that flight as he did that. You know, it's really that's really a picture. It really is a picture, maybe even a parable of of just a, most people that we know these days, is that they really live life at a high speed. They uh, they often just it's really you just don't have a clue whether you're flying upside down or right side up. You even kind of wonder sometimes even wonder does it even matter if you're flying right side up or right side down? It, does this is something that really even matters until you have to put something into action and you hit the wall, and then you start realizing. This does matter. It does matter that I have this thing right side up. And so what Jesus did when he when he, he paid the way through the cross for us to enter God's kingdom and to actually discover how real life really works. But, you know, I want to look just a little bit this morning at just this idea of kingdom. Like, what does it mean? Uh, what does kingdom mean? It might surprise it might surprise some of you to know that every one of us in this room have a kingdom. You might think, well, I don't think I do. But, uh, yeah, each of us have a kingdom. And what, the, what a kingdom is is it's the place where your choices determine what happens. It's the place where your your choices determine what happened. And so what you want done is actually done. And so we all have an arena where we can really influence what happens. And what God's kingdom is, is it's, it's a place where what he wants done is done. And God's kingdom really encompasses, he created the entire universe and he put reality into place. And so his, his, his kingdom encompasses everything. And, uh, his, his kingdom is really his, his rule and his reign in our lives. Now, the most amazing thing in the midst of all that is that God really wants, really wants the best for us. And he really wants to teach us and how reality works and just how life really works. And, uh, he really wants us to step into his kingdom so we can really understand those things. Now, a way to kind of to think about this is think of, think of little kids. If you're a parent, you don't have to think very hard. Uh, 
But think of little kids, like maybe two years old, three years old. And, you know, each of them have a little kingdom. And uh, they wish their kingdom was a whole lot bigger than it is, but they each have a little kingdom. In fact, we call that the terrible twos. Uh, but it, it continues on. I'm in the terrible 52s now. But, uh, but uh, you know, the, uh, each of them have a little kingdom. And as a parent, what you have to do is you have to bring their kingdom into your kingdom so that they can really learn what it is they need to learn. That's You have to bring their kingdom into your kingdom because, you know, you have a lot to teach them. You've got a lot of things that you know that they need to know. You've got, and you have this desire to really, you want to protect them. You want to protect them, and you want them to really listen and learn from you so that they can really, because you actually understand life way better than they do. And so you really, they really need to bring their kingdom into yours. And so until they do, your help is very limited. You really can't do a lot to help their kids if they're just living autonomously by themselves. Now, as a parent, that's something you want to build into your, your kids' lives real early. You want them to... You want them really to respond to you in, in that way very early in life and bring their kingdom into yours. Now, if you do that, your kindergarten teacher will love you very much. If you, uh, in fact, if you ever go to kindergarten, you go to kindergartens these days and you go in there, it's like when worlds collide. It's like, you know, everyone's, it's like kingdoms rubbing up against each other. But, uh, it really makes a difference. It really makes a difference if your kids have really learned how to, how to learn. So what, as we look at God's kingdom, what does God want done in his kingdom? What does God want done in his kingdom? That's a, that's a big category, but I want to look at something that, that Jesus said. It was recorded in Matthew, the last thing that Matthew recorded, and it's in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20. And Jesus said this, that Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. One thing Jesus said was that he said, you know, his rule and his reign actually encompasses everything on heaven and on earth. He's completely in charge. And if you look at, you look at the, the commands that are there, the, uh, the, the uh, primary command there is to make disciples, is that what God wants to have happen is that, that people would become learners of him. Like the word disciple just means learner. And what the people, the men that Jesus was talking to, he knew exactly what they meant. They knew exactly what he meant is that Jesus had really loved these men. He'd really invested his life in them and they had really become his learners. And they had really decided, each of them had decided to put their kingdoms into his kingdom so they could really learn from him and be around him. And that's, that's really what God, what he really wants is he wants, uh, he wants in his kingdom where People are being truly impacted by him and walking with him, and they are then passing that on, and that life is growing and spreading to more and more people. That's really what God wants to have happen. And Jesus is calling, he was calling his men, and he was always calling us just to invest our lives in others, just the same way that he's done for us. Now, um, but to, to help someone else become a disciple and a follower of Christ and really a learner of Christ, you really have to be a learner of Christ yourself. You really have to be a disciple yourself. And so how do you, how do you, what does it mean to become a disciple? Um, I would like to, and step into the life that God really wants for us. There's a couple of things I want to look at. One is, is you have to really see it for the incredible opportunity that it is. You have to see it for the incredible opportunity that it is. Last week we looked at Matthew 13, 44. Look at it real quick this morning. 
says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again, and from joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. You get kind of the picture, you have an idea that this guy, he looks back, he looks back and he looks at his kingdom. He looks at the things that he's in charge of and everything that he's encompassing and all the things that he's in control of. And he looks to the kingdom of God and he sees something very different. And he, he catches a picture of just how incredible an opportunity it is and nothing even compares to it. And so he, he just decides to go that way. Now, it made, I, I thought of this, um, uh, I'm thinking about a movie that I saw about a year ago. My my daughter wanted me to watch a musical. Now, growing up, musicals weren't high on our list. Uh, well, on my list and my dad's. I saw The Sound of Music in like 35 minutes because my dad would fast forward all the music. You go, you know, it's a it's a it's a very strange story without music. You go, there's a lot of twirling and stuff like that, and then at the end, there's Nazis. So I, I just uh, so it's just kind of a strange thing. But so I have this natural. I've actually gotten a lot, I actually enjoy musicals, but sometimes, you know, my, uh, my daughter Molly asked me if, she said, she saw it, she said, you need to see this movie, it's a good movie. And I, it, I looked at previews, it just looked like it was going to be a movie I'd really like. And so, but I went to see it because she's my daughter. So I went to see this movie and I was surprised by the end of this movie. I was surprised because I was, I began to be moved. And I didn't expect to be moved, I expected to tolerate it. But, I began to be moved by one of the one of the last songs, and actually the movie culminating on this last song. And what I wanted to do is, you know, the story's about just P.T. Barnum, and the, the the story, the movie is basically about him trying to construct his kingdom and everything he wanted it to be, and then that kingdom just comes crashing down, and, the, and that's what you see in the movie is that it just comes to the end, and he he realizes. And in the movie, he realizes that the only thing he has, really the thing that had really, really mattered were the people around him, uh, his wife and his family and, his, and the people in his show. And what I want to do is I want to look at some of the words from this song. That it's called From Now On. And I just want to look at just a few of these words. He, I think you can catch a glimpse of someone who, who's making some, a real decisive, some real decisive actions in his life. He says, I saw the sun begin to dim. And felt that winter wind blow cold. By the way, I won't sing this because I, I really, <laughs> I, uh, you know, <laughs> the winter wind will blow cold if I sing this. So, so a, a man learns who is there for him when the glitter fades and the walls don't hold. Cause from that rubble, what remains can only be what's true. If all was lost, there's more I gained because it led me back to you. I really, I really think. That's a picture. Now, in the movie, it, it meant one thing, but I think it's a picture of of someone who has come to the point where they realize that their kingdom doesn't hold anything for them, and they see the opportunity of God's kingdom in front of them, and that God really does want the best for them. He really does care about them. And then the next, I just want to look at the chorus. The chorus is, from now on. He sees this, and his response is, from now on. These eyes will not be blinded by the lights. From now on, what's waited till tomorrow starts tonight. Tonight. Let this promise in me start like an anthem in my heart. I actually almost started singing. But, um, <laughs> from from now on. From now on. <laughs> from now on. You know, uh, you know that's moving. Um, he, he made, 
to, to be able to become a learner of Jesus, you have to see it for the incredible opportunity it is, and you have to take decisive action. It's decisive action to put yourself with him. And you, you, uh, it might be something like, well, I, I'm going to do that. I've always thought I would do that. But it, it's like it's not tomorrow. It's tonight. It's now. It starts now. Decisive action, because of the opportunity you see, is, is a big, it's, it's a, the initial step in becoming a, a follower of Jesus, a disciple of his. And then also, then you really, to become a learner of Jesus, you have to spend time with him. You have to spend time with him. A disciple is simply someone who's decided that they want to be around someone so they can be, do things the way he does them and they can be the way he is. Just do the things he does and be who he is. Be, be who, be like what he is. You know, growing up, you know, I, part of my story in life is I was a part of construction for so long because my dad was a contractor. And I share from that, uh, fairly often, but, as I was thinking about, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how I learned to do construction. And, you know, there was a time, my dad, you know, things, when you're a kid, you're like, we're going to work. And your dad would do things, you just work hard and you go home, you wouldn't really reflect on life. But as I reflect back now, I see some things that my dad was doing. And that, what he did is, we're framing walls. We're building a house. He would, he would, he would tell me, okay, this is how you frame a wall. And he used to tell me, this is how you lay out a wall. You put the plates down. This is where the studs go. This is how you mark the studs. This is where the windows go. This is how we frame it. He would teach it to me, and then I would watch him do it, and I'd help him. And then I would put it into practice myself. He'd say, go build that wall. And I'd go build that wall. And I began to really, building walls and learning how to do framing of a house began to be just part of who I was. And then with sheetrock, you know, that's one I wish he hadn't taught me, but uh, but with, uh, with drywall. You know, it's not fun. If you ever do drywall, you're going, I don't ever want to learn this. But but my dad, he taught me, like, this is how you do drywall. This is how you hang it. This is how you do the finishing of it. And then I would watch him, and I would help him. And then I would do it myself. I'd put it into practice. And I began to really learn how to do uh, drywall finishing. It just, construction just become a part of who I am. Um, it just feels very natural for me to walk onto a construction job and start building. You know, about 12 years ago, uh, my dad was, uh, before he retired, he was doing, uh, doing some repair work in a couple of bathrooms and was doing some plumbing, some copper plumbing. And I, I was up for the weekend, so I said, hey, hey, Pop, I'll, I'll help you out. And so we're over there working. And as we're working, you know, he's, he's, uh, we, I realized as we're, as we're working that we weren't talking about work. We were talking about other stuff, but as we were talking, we were doing all kinds of stuff with each other. We, so he, he was like measuring the, 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 the pipes needed to go in the wall and I was, I was cutting them and I was taking the emery cloth and shining them on both ends and he would tell me what elbows he needed. I got the elbows. I was doing that, getting those prepared and then I put the flux on them, build, put them together, handed to him. He was soldering them and he's putting them in the wall and whole time we were talking about other stuff. And I, and I reflected on that later. I thought, well, that's just really, that, that, that isn't the way it was when I was 12. You know, when I was 12, there's a lot more instruction going on, but, what what dawned on me is that you know my dad and I, we just think a lot alike, and we're we're actually we, we we do things very similar. In fact, we have the same goals when we're on the job. We have the same goals. We have the same approach. Uh, we have the same values. We have the same understanding of what needs to happen because we just did life with each other for so long in construction, and I think that that's really how you become a disciple of Jesus is. You need to be with him so that he can teach you. 
and so that he can watch, you can watch what he does and that you can put into practice what he does and what he says. So you need to be with him so that he can teach you and so that you can watch what he does and you can put into practice the things he does and says. As you do that, you begin to really uh, abide in his word. In fact, J- Jesus said in John eight thirty one to 32, Jesus says, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. He's talking about the freedom of life you have as you are, you're walking in his kingdom, enjoying a relationship with him. And um, he, I think the way that you do, the way you continue in his word is just those three things as you, you listen to what he has to see, you spend time with him so you can listen to what he teaches you. You can really watch what he does and then really put those things into practice. So really a good way to do that, a good way to really, to really do that, whether you've been walking with God for a while or not, is to spend some real time in the gospels, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just the, just the uh, historical accounts of Jesus' life and devote some real attention to his teaching. As you go through, as you read it, look at what he's saying, then watch what he's doing. And then that day, try to put some of those things into practice that you're learning. And you'll begin to see how that really does make sense and how life really works. And you begin to see all the wisdom that he really has. So, you know, as we do that, we become much more like him. And we begin to think more like him and have the same heart as him. So as we become more like him, then our lives become marked by at least a couple of things. One is just just a desire to love people well. It becomes marked by a desire to love people well. And also just a desire to help other people become learners of Jesus too. Help other people become learners of Jesus too. And those two things really go hand in hand. It's love that drives, they, they drive each other. And... uh that's really, really, uh, it's really a big part of what it looks like when you become more and more like Jesus over time. So one, so learning to love other people well is a, is a real mark of discipleship. Jesus said in, uh, John 13, 34 through 35, he said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You look at, you look at Jesus like, how did he love people? When, as you look back, like, right after he, just before he said that, he had just washed the feet of all the disciples. And he, he, he washed their feet because someone needed to wash some feet around there. And no one else was going to do it. And so he, he served them. He loved them by serving them, by really meeting practical needs. And, uh, one thing is really, I find very, uh, very, uh, instructive is that he washed Judas's feet. You know, he knew that Judas was going to betray him in just a few hours. And yet he washed Judas's feet as well. And one thing you see in Jesus, as you look at what he does, you see, you see that he, there's no, there's no retaliation in him. He actually loves people and he doesn't, he's not looking to get even with people. And that's something you can begin to try to put into practice. That's one of those things you can begin to try to put into practice is begin to develop that as you walk with him. So love really is, it's meeting needs in other people's lives. Now, for, for those who are inside the faith, when we meet each other's needs, it really creates community. It really creates a real sense of community where, we, where people are really drawn to it. They begin to, they can really see that God really is who he said he was. They can see that God's really real. 
But for outsiders, how, how, what does love look like? How do we approach outsiders in love? The people that are flying their planes upside down more. Okay, how do we help, how do we help people that are, that are, uh, outside the faith? Well, one, again, the big thing is just to meet practical needs in their life. Meet, love them by showing just practical needs, taking care of practical needs in their lives. So that they can really see how much, see that we care for them. Because as people begin to understand that you care for them, then they begin, when they go through hard times, they go through harder times, they think of you as a helpful person. They think of you as someone that can really help them. And it gives you an opportunity to actually to speak and to share deeper things with them. It creates real opportunities. And another way really to show love to outsiders is just to wisely take opportunities to share truth with them. Wisely take opportunities to share truth with them. Because truth is really what we all need. And they, they need to... They really need to hear some truth. And so uh, in Colossians 4, 5, and 6, Paul says, Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunities. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer everyone. So really just you know, begin to speak very graciously to the people around you, the people that you know, the people that are outside the faith that are good friends of yours. And then and learn to speak uh, with salty language. And now uh, salty means something different these days. And so, uh, actually I only know this because I have, I have kids and I'll say things like that and they'll go, you're being salty. I'm like, okay, so, so this is a different kind of salty. You know, this is, uh, this is actually, it's actually helping people see a truth, see something in a way where they can actually just kind of realize that actually the Bible, the scriptures have something really to offer, that God has something to offer. Um, for me, you know, a, f- a few years ago, I was working with, uh, working with a gentleman on a, on a project and, uh, at the Corps of Engineers and he's a, he's a hydraulic engineer. And, uh, he, he was a, he was a Jew, he and his wife were Jewish and for him that didn't really mean much. It was just, it was just kind of, I'm Jewish. But his wife took it very, very seriously. In fact, she was studying to be a rabbi. So they were like completely at different ends of the spectrum. And he was totally good with that, but it just really wasn't a big part of his life. And so we're, we're talking one day about uh, this project we're working on. And as we're, he looking, we're in my cubicle and he, he looks up and he grabs the picture, uh, off my uh, desk and he goes, it was a picture of my wife and my kids. And he goes, Oh man, you got a good looking family. And he sounded surprised. I don't know why, but, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he said, uh, he said, Hey, you got a, you got a good looking family. And I said, Yeah, I do. I do. Um, really just like, I really didn't know where to go with that, but he said, he said, you know what, uh, boy, I'd never want to have, I would never have, I, c- I could never have kids. I could never have kids. And so I, it just struck me and I thought, well, I could let that go or I could say something. I just said, well, why is that? And he goes, oh man, I just mess them up. <laughs> and I thought, and he's, if you saw, if you met this guy, he's just really gregarious and he was saying it in a funny way, but I think he meant it. And he goes, I said, man, well, I was, and I laughed. I said, you know, hey, I can, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. In fact, I, I can relate to that feeling quite a bit. I said, you know, you know, one thing that really, really helped me, uh, just learning how to raise my kids. And he goes, what? And I said, you're not going to believe it, but the Jewish scriptures. Hmm? And he goes, I mean, I could have just hit him with a two by four. Like, really? <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, you know, actually there's a, there's a Hebrew proverb that just said, uh, my son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord nor loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as the Father corrects the Son and whom he delights. 
I said, you know what? I read that and it just gave me this picture of that I need to correct my kids. If you've been around kids, you know that. But I need to correct my kids. But it has to be in an atmosphere of delight. They have to know that I really care about them. I said, just that idea has given me all kinds of just input to how to raise my kids. And he goes, really? I said, really? And then he, he just, and then I said, uh, hey, well, when do you think I can get the hydraulic, uh, the hydraulic thing done? He goes, oh yeah, well, hey, you know, I think I can get this. And we just went on. But, you know, just learning to speak the word of God conversationally, just, you can, you can actually get a lot of things out for people. And then they, they, they will think of you as someone in the future. And if they're up against something, they might come to you and ask you a question. They might ask you about something. And a lot of times what they're asking is they kind of want to know what the scriptures have to say, but they probably won't say that. So make sure that when you share with them an answer, that you're giving them things that are true, some things that are really will help them. So when you become more like Christ, you you uh, begin to have more and more of a love for people. But also you have this growing desire just to help other people connect to God the way you have, to really help them become learners of Jesus too. It begins to be a growing desire in you. John... Uh, Jesus said in John fifteen eight, he said, My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Part of what Jesus was talking about was in bearing fruit was is bearing fruit in your character, becoming more more like him. That's a big part of what he was saying. But he's also talking about that, you know, if you walk with Jesus and you be, and you begin to really become a learner of his and you share your life with other people. What happens over time is other people begin to learn how to walk with God because of your life. Um, just because you, you, you've, you've learned some things about how to walk with God and you just share your life with them. And the, the love that you have for people, it really drives you to put people in your schedule so that that can happen. So that opportunities can, can happen like that. And you begin to think things like, well, I need to get to know them because they need to get to know God. And you begin to be a person who's really connected with people. Now, um, to do that, you really have to, one thing, one thing is to get people into your life, you have to make space for them. So you have to schedule time to be close enough to people for opportunities that God might give you. So you just have to schedule some time to be close enough to people for opportunities that God might give you. Um, so, you know, look at your lunchtime. You know, it's real easy for me to get into the I just eat lunch by myself thing. But you know what? One or two times a week, make sure you don't do that alone. That's a place you could just you could bring someone in uh, from work, someone you can get to know a little bit. Look at your Saturdays. Look at your evenings. You know, look at places where you you normally do different kinds of things, but where you could actually carve out some space where you could include yourself with people and uh, just schedule some space for people in your lives. And then as you get with them, just just share your life with them and just ask God for opportunities. As God gives opportunities, just step into those. I wanted to, as we as we wrap up the talk today, I wanted to kind of go back to that, that idea of decisive action is, you know, for all of us, there's things that God has been teaching us. There's things, each of us are different places, but there's things that God has been teaching us. He's been challenging us with. And what I would encourage each one of us today is just to take decisive action in those things is to really, is really decide that, you know what, 
Here's my kingdom. There's his. I want to, I want to actually be with him in his kingdom and learn from him. So I, I'd actually like to watch a clip because I almost always watch a clip. So, um, now this one, about a year ago, uh, Neil told me about this clip. It's from an extra feature for the greatest showman. And I want to kind of set it up a little bit. This, this clip, it's to get the buy off for the movie. Everyone in the cast had to fly to New York, and it took all this time, like eight months for them to line this up and play uh, uh, and be able to just sing through all the songs so that the executives could decide they're going to make the, let them make the movie or not. So they get there. The problem is, just beforehand, uh, Hugh Jackman gets uh, like the skin cancer thing on his nose, and they have, to, they have to do surgery to get it off, which is good. I and mean, they got it off, but he had to, the doctor told him he can't sing because it would break the stitches. So he's... You know, he calls up uh, the director, and the director goes, don't tell anybody that, because no one's flying to New York to hear you not sing. So they all, so they, so he, he doesn't, and so they all, everyone goes there to New York, and the decision's made that Hugh Jackman is just, they're going to have someone else sing for him, and he's just going to kind of pantomime the greatest showman. He'll just kind of be there leading it. He's just kind of, he's just kind of leading this thing, everybody together, but his presence is needed, and they're, again, where they're pitching this to, uh, to the executives. Well, he, he, he doesn't sing for like 10 songs. And then we come to the 11th song, which is the song from now on. I want you to just watch. I just want you to watch some of this and then we'll finish.
So, you know, uh, you thought I was going to have you listen to the whole thing. But, uh, you know, that, that is, is so inspiring. He, he couldn't not sing that. Now, I don't know what all he was thinking. I don't know what, what was in his life at that time. But there's something very, very inspiring about someone who's come to the end of themselves. And they see the future, and it can be much, much better. And they turn towards it. There's something inspiring about someone finding themselves, and that's what, that's what God is all about. Is He wants that for each one of us. Is that we would find ourselves, put ourselves with Him so we can learn from Him. Uh, and that, and that we could really have real lives. And one thing you notice is you watch Hugh Jackman, you know, he, he tries not singing, and then he gets inspired, and he, he says a few words, and then he's like, you know, what the doctor told me not to. And then finally, he gets to a place where he just, he has to sing. And then he begins to sing out. And then his, what you see is his inspiration begins to affect everyone else in the room. And it, it just, you see it begin to just kind of take over the room. And then at the end, you can keep going on. It actually got a little crazy. It gets a little crazier than that. Um, but the joy in that room grew and grew and grew from that inspiration. You know, that is, that's what it's like when you really connect to the real life that God wants for you, is it changes the whole tenor of your life. And it overflows into the lives of other people. And as other people begin to connect to the real life that God wants for them, the joy just begins to grow. And so it's it's really, I, I, just, I love that clip. It just shows a picture of what just this expanding joy looks like. Uh, as As you come to the end of yourself and your kingdom, and really step into step into God's and, and about what He's and be about what He wants you to be, be about. Now, for some next steps today, you know, uh, just want to key off that phrase from now on. You know, uh, you know, maybe there's some things that, that that you've been waiting for tomorrow. You've been thinking, I'm going to do that, but you know what? The time's today. The time's today. And you know, from now on, maybe, maybe, maybe for you, from now on, I won't let my little kingdom and pursuits distract me from His kingdom. You know, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's for you today. Maybe, for you, maybe from now on, I will pursue knowing Jesus through His Word. Is I'll do whatever it takes to do that. You know, maybe from new, maybe from now on, I'll schedule time with Jesus so I can really learn from Him. From now on, that's going to be a part of my life. And maybe, maybe for you, maybe from now on, I'm going to open my schedule to allow other people into it. And uh, I know as, as I've been speaking, I've, I've been inspired, and I want to do this much more and more and more in my own life. I just, it's some of my prayer that I have for all of us is that we'd just expand in our joy with Him and that we'd really pass that on to other people. So with that, I'd like to ask the band to go ahead and come back up. And uh, if you haven't finished filling out your connection card, now's a great time. But let me, uh, let me, let me pray for us. God, thank you. Thank you, Father, just for the life that you bring and the life you desire for us. And I pray that each one of us could really find our way into it and really experience the life that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.